0: Like going to Morocco, people are going to stand close to you in line. For me, coming from a big city where people really value their personal space. And if you're close on someone, even if like you're waiting in line, then it's what, why are you so close to me? So throughout my whole experience, people being close to you was always like an issue. And then COVID happened and literally that changed how people operated. This is episode four. Where the Sun Sets, part two. March, we were supposed to have spring break. So my mom, who lives in the U.S., was like, I'm coming. The plan was that she would come to Morocco, spend a few days there, and then we would fly out from Casablanca specifically to Portugal. And then from Portugal, we would go to Senegal and then spend a few weeks there and then come back. And then she would go back to the U.S. And before she arrived, the talk around COVID was definitely more pronounced than it was before. I remember one student, she might've been like seven or eight, she came in class with like gloves. And I was like, oh, sweetie, what, what's going on? Like, why do, you, why do you have gloves? She was like, oh, my dad said the corona's coming, so we got to be prepared, you know? And at that moment, I kind of, like, laughed. Like, oh, like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, she's, you know, goodness gracious. And I felt bad. Like, why, why are they scaring these kids, you know? Like, she's so young. She doesn't need to worry about that. But looking back, it was just like, we didn't know. So my mom arrives, um, maybe like a few days before we set to go on spring break. And at this point, like the, the duration of the time from when she left Philly to when she got to Morocco, things had started worsening gradually, gradually. And I think there was a palpable sense of fear in the air. But I was also kind of distracted. We had exams and I was, you know, wanting to make sure students were doing well. And I was like grading papers. And so it was kind of like I was going about my normal, but also kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, wow, I don't know. You know, this is, this is obviously getting worse. I think it Got to a point where I was like, oh, this could be really bad. When the school decided to close, cases cases had been popping up in Morocco, and Canidra, and the numbers were getting higher. And it was just like, okay, well, we need to do something. So we're just going to close down the schools. And then at that point, restaurants started closing, which was totally unusual. So gradually, Morocco started shutting down. At this point, my mom's with me, and I don't think we realized or even fathom that it would get as bad as it got. At this point, our flight to Portugal got canceled, and so obviously we couldn't go to Senegal, so we were just like, all right, should we wait it out? What should we do? I I don't think we thought that things would shut down and we couldn't continue life as we had been continuing it. At this point, we got word from our program, like, hey, we are terminating the program for this year. You guys were suggesting that you leave we are trying to get you guys a flight out because they're shutting down the airport, so we'll keep you posted. So my roommate, she was like, all right, I'll sign up to go and you know, whatever I need to do, let me know. I was like, well, I'm just gonna wait it out. My mom has a flight back home. I think I'm gonna stay for the duration of my time till June, you know, keep teaching, we'll see what happens. A part of me didn't wanna go home, but then I was like, I don't wanna give up. You know, like I'm gonna finish what I started. And so my mom was like, yeah, I'll just wait till my flight my, my scheduled flight. Because at that point, the only way you could get out was if you were a US citizen and you had access to the special flight. And so many people were flocking to sign up and there was like, not sh- people were not sure if they're gonna be able to um, let the planes fly. And it was just a lot of confusion and no clear answers. If the program can get me a flight out, I don't know if they're gonna get my mom a flight out. I can't leave her here. So I'm just gonna stay wait until she you know, the airline, which is something's totally separate. They have to figure something out. They can't just leave people in the country. Like that's not how it works. My roommate eventually she left. They they did get a flight out, a very packed, heavy, stressful flight out from the U S consulate. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, not be taken over by this anxiety and this fear. I was like, okay, mom, you will just wait for your flight because she was scheduled to leave in a few weeks. I was like, well, we'll see what happens. Let's just be optimistic. Which looking back, I think, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I would have made the same decision. My director of the school, she called like, Hey, um, How's it going? Are you sure you want to stay? And I was talking to other teachers, like trying to just get a feel like, what should I do? And, you know, they offered, well, your contract is still good with us. So I was like, all right. Well, I felt secure in that. I was like, well, you know what, mom, I don't want you to be stuck in this apartment. You came to at least see something. I was like, well, you know, there's a train that's an hour to Tangier. Let's, let's go see Tangier. Like, let's do something. We got an Airbnb, which is really nice. Not too far from the train station where you could see the Mediterranean. The weather in Morocco was beautiful. Almost every day the sun was shining, but around this time it started to rain more often. There were like cloudy skies and definitely more rain. It was more overcast and it wasn't like what I was used to. And it kind of, to me, like reflected the mood of like everything just totally changing. So we were in Tangier in the Airbnb and we get word that Morocco is shutting down intercity travel they decided to shut the trains down that travel from city to city. And they decided to stop inner city travel altogether. So anyone who had a car or a taxi, which was the other mode of transportation, you could not go from city to city, which would not have been as major a problem if we were in Canitra, but we weren't. We were an hour away in Tangier and There was no way to know how long the inner city travel would be locked down. A lot of news travels through word of mouth in Morocco and if you are not connected with someone who knows or someone doesn't remember to reach out to you and let you know, then you're kind of just out of luck. So they were like, the trains would be in operation until Sunday. After that, everything is cut off. I found this out like Saturday night and no one could really walk on the streets unless you had written permission from someone. So I had my permission, but I was really at this time working to not let my anxiety get the best of me. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna try and be practical and level-headed. I'm gonna go in the morning, early in the morning. I'm going to go to the train station and get us tickets so we can go back to Connecticut. At least we're there. At least we have something that is stable. So I hear this sound. I'm like terrified out of my sleep. I had already been having trouble falling asleep because I was just so stressed at this point. And it was in the middle of the night. Prayer time had already passed, so it wasn't time for prayer. So I knew something was up, something was going on. I jumped out of bed and I just went to the window because that was where the sound was coming from. I looked out to see men, women, a few teenagers, they were standing on their roofs. Some of them were holding cell phones and they were just screaming. Is something happening that I don't know? Should I turn on the news? I had no idea what was going on. It was definitely in a different context that I was used to and honestly, I was scared. That whole night I was just, I had a knot in my stomach because there just was so much unpredictability about it and I just don't like unpredictability. So I woke up that morning, I went to the train station, and walking up to the train station, I could see crowds of people outside of the train station. Some of them were shouting, some of them were like, gesturing, could see like police officers placed around the train station, and I'm like, oh this cannot be good. So I go to a group of police officers. They look like SWAT guys, but they were like standing sort of by a a little away from the train station. I'm like, excuse me, does anyone speak English? Anyone speak English? And one guy's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, can you tell me what's up? He's like, it's the train station. We're not opening it. And I was like, huh? I was like, but today is supposed to be the day where the last trains are going. How are people supposed to get out? He's like, "Mm, I don't know. And I was like, okay, I don't have time to do this. So I went to another guy and I'm like, okay, I need to get on the train. And they're like, okay, we'll have trains. So eventually, like they they like to hold information and then like, wait, wait, wait. And then they'll be like, okay, all right, they'll say it. But you have to really push them. So I was like pushing, like, okay, what is going on? Like, I need to, I need to leave. I need to get out of here. And he's like, All right, well, where do you need to go? I was like, Kanitra. He was like, Come on, you can come. I was like, Well, no, 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 I can't come right now. I need to go get my mom. I need to get my luggage and everything. He's like, okay, well, hurry up, go, 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 and come back. So at this point, We still have the Airbnb for a few days, and you know, we had gone shopping for food and we have stuff to pack up. So I'm like, okay, whatever, I don't care. I take a cab back and I tell my mom, like, Mom, we gotta go. So I'm I'm rushing my mom. I feel so bad because you know, I'm like rushing her. You know, she's older, a lot of energy, but still, I, I felt like I was like really rushing her. So we get everything together. I email the Airbnb guy, someone comes to pick up the key. I'm like, all right, bet we're going, let's go get back to the train station. Still, crowds of people. I I like run up to the guy, my mom's like trailing behind. Of course, she can't run as fast, so I'm like, Okay, let me get to this guy, like tell him I'm here so we can get on the train. I get to him, he's like, The train's gone. This is where my anxiety levels out of this world. It's like through the roof. They're like, Well, what are you? That was the last train. There's no other train to Canitra, like, we can't help you, basically. I'm like, no, like there has to be another way. Like I, I can't do, I have to get out of here. Like we have to get out of here. <laughs> I think at this point <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, but actually I, I'm not ashamed to say because I was desperate. I was like, I'm, I'm an American citizen. I need to get out of here. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> they were like, okay, wait, wait, we just wait over there. Wait over there basically. And I'm like, wait. And they're like, yeah, we might, we might have another train coming. Which I mean I found out eventually how things work. They'll tell you, but they just want you to like stop bugging them. So we waited. There are about ten people left in the train station. You can see all the cops are like clearing out, all the train workers are starting to clear out. I go to the counter, I'm like, excuse me, what I need to do something. Like you said there might be a train. Is it coming? Or you know, and part of me knew that there wasn't gonna be a train. Part of me knew I was just like reaching for something that was not there. And so the guy comes, he's like, "Eh, that's it, no more trains, not enough people. So there's no way to get to where you need to go. I was like, well, what are the other options? Because no one else was like trying to problem solve. They were just wanting to say no, no, no. So they were like, well, you can get on the train to Fez and then maybe... Get off at a place from there. I was like, okay, so what's on the way? And I think maybe another passenger, someone was like, well, you can go to City Kassem. I had heard of City Kassem before. I was like, okay, that sounds familiar. That's closer than here, um, and maybe we can do something from there. I don't know. Can you give me a train ticket? I need to go. So, we got on the train headed towards Fez, and like I was praying the whole time because I knew it was like a long shot getting from city cosmo to canetra like i didn't know how again there was no there weren't any taxis going there weren't any cars that were able to go i couldn't call anyone cuz everyone was on lockdown they couldn't travel there was a lot of talk at this point about respirators and people having to like be on respirators and there weren't enough respirators and just you know like that was the solution that people were using and It wasn't a solution that was viable for everyone, especially in a place like Morocco. So we're on a train to Fez. So we were in a car with a family, a man and a woman and their two kids. At this point, my senses are super heightened. We weren't even wearing masks at this point. And I was just like, if they sneeze or if they cough, you know, I'm gonna get up, we're gonna get up, we're gonna leave. (laughs) Cause you didn't know who had it. You didn't know, you know, the numbers were going up in different cities. So it's nighttime, the train pulls up to City Cossum Station, and City Cossum is a small town. We get there and a few people get off with us and then you can see other people just like going off walking people are picking them up or whatever and there's like me and my mom and this one other guy and i'm like what are we gonna do now so i see a group of plainclothes like policemen so i walk over to them like excuse me um i need to get to canita then they say what are you doing here i'm like dude like don't start i'm like listen i need to get here i'm like i'm a u.s citizen i'm working here my mom's here with me we need to get to canita we you know we can't came from Tangier. This is, this is what the situation is. So can you help us? So they're like, um, so the one guy, he's like not really speaking English. So I'm like, is there anyone who speaks English? So he's like, hold on. He goes and gets this guy who's like my favorite character in this story. His name is Yassine, And he was like a police cop. And I'm like, um, can you help us? Like, what can we do? He's like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, well, can you call the U.S. consulate? Can you do something? Like, can you call your boss? All we need to do is get to Kanitra and then we're good. So he takes my number. I save his number. And a lot of times Moroccans are really nice people. You know, they want to be helpful, but sometimes they can't be, but they'll still tell you that they can be. So I'm thinking in my head, this is another one of those situations. He's just saying that he, he can help, but I, I need to figure something else out So I'm like, okay, is there a hotel? Because at this point, it's late at night and we need to rest We need to be somewhere So I'm like, the worst case scenario, we have to stay in City Custom for a while So he's like, I can take you to a hotel Let's let's go, there's a hotel right here And, you know, he took us to the hotel, which was not really a hotel It was more like an inn slash hostel, very old school at that point I was just so wound up, I was like trying not to cry. <laughs> so I was like, I just need to lay down. So we go into the room, we start taking our stuff off, just like to relax, sitting down. Um I think we ate some cold food that we had that we grabbed from the Airbnb in Tangier. And then I hear my phone ring and my mom, I think it was close to her, she's like, Oh, it says Yassine and I'm like, Oh, okay. But he hung up, so I was like, well, he probably just butt out or just, you know, didn't realize who he was calling or whatever. Then, next thing I know, I hear a knocking at the door. I'm like, is that someone knocking at our door? And I go to the door and there stands officer Yassin. He's like, are you guys, are you good? You good? Can you, can you get your stuff now? I, I got a ride for you to go to Kanitra. And I'm like, ah, like I was so relieved. So we started grabbing everything, packing everything back up, and I'm like, I don't know how we're we gonna get there. He's like, all right, so it's a taxi guy. He's gonna charge you this much, but he's gonna take you all the way there. I talked to my boss. He said it's okay. So I'll give him this permission, this, this written thing that he'll show to the different checkpoints because at this point they had officers at checkpoints at each city. Like, you could not go through, they were not playing. And he took us to Kanitra, all the way to Kanitra. Yes, so we're back in Kanitra. We're still stuck. Obviously, the flights are there. Aren't flights going out? There aren't flights coming in at this point. My mom knows that her flight that she had scheduled is canceled. At this point, we're trying to call airlines, trying to figure out other options. No one's answering. No airlines are answering at all. Still, just staying in, not going out unless we go need to go to the market or anything. I'm like super paranoid. I'm like, mom, drink tea, take these herbs, do this, do that. And she's like, yes, I'm doing it. I'm like, don't go out. If she goes out, then she has to wear gloves and a mask. Cause at this point now everyone's wearing masks where they weren't before. And we're listening to the news and my family's texting me like, Hey, are you okay? They're saying that people should come home, but you can't come home. And I'm just like, you know, try not to let it get to me. And like being in an apartment all day, is just like, For me, it's something I'm not used to. And so it was very like pressing in a way. I'm sure it was very depressing and restrictive for my mom. And so I really felt bad about that. Once we got a a notification from the U.S. consulate, like, hey, we have another flight going out for U.S. citizens from Morocco. If you want to be on this, you sign up and then we'll let you know if we get enough people. So they did this one time before when we were in Tangier and then they did it again. At this point, I'm like, mom, I, I really think we should sign up. The the Morocco that I knew was, like, not there. Like, I wasn't teaching. The school was not open. And they didn't know when they were going to be opening. If we don't take this flight, we would be here even longer for a year or more. And so we decided to take a flight on April 10th. How they did it was they picked us up from Canetra, which was really great. And honestly, I'm glad we waited because initially when they were doing the flights, it's just like you had to get to the place, to the airport by yourself. But because we waited, they had a better system. So they picked us up at the train station. They took us on a bus to Casa. We got on the plane from Casa. We we flew to London Heathrow. We stayed over for um, a night or so. And I was honestly too scared to even rent a hotel. London at this point was like one of the worst places you could go to. So I knew it was bad when we came from Morocco wearing masks and we got to London Heathrow and no one was wearing masks. And at this point, Boris Johnson was in the hospital almost dying from COVID. So in preparation for arriving home, I was like, mom, we're not telling anybody we're coming home. We're just going to see how far we get. And then when we get there, we'll be there. And then everyone can find out. I was like, I don't even want anyone to pick us up. I'm just going to rent a car and we'll drive from Dallas, Virginia, the airport, and we'll drive to Philly and we'll just go. It'll be worth it. So going from Morocco that had shut everything down, even intercity city travel and going to the U.S. where they weren't wearing masks. And of course, no one was tracking if you if you were quarantining or anything. Of course, they suggested that you do, but there wasn't anyone calling and following up, say, hey, uh, are you quarantining or we're going to check that you're not moving out of your house or you need this this permission slip or this to do that. People would like be in an uproar but it was just so so interesting to see the vast difference. We got to Dallas and we got the rental car and I drove from Dallas to Philly and I remember just feeling like relieved and grateful because it had been a journey. I mean, just looking back, the experiences that I had traveling to Morocco and to the other places and learning and seeing and Growing and healing, honestly. It was amazing. But all things come to an end and then you know you restart something else. Je m'appelle Ariane. Je suis en me Oh my god, I suck. This has been for colorful girls. Music by Arrow Thug and Air Kid. Licensed from freemusicarchive.org and soundstripe.com. Sound effects from freesound.org. For more details about the music and sounds we use, visit 4colorfulgirls.com and check out the episode notes. With only a few episodes left in this season, we want to say thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Also, if you'd like to share a story with 4 Colorful Girls... Send us a DM or private message or email us at infoinfo I-N-F-O, at We'd love to hear from you. Also, sending prayers for anyone affected by COVID and the recent violence in the United States. We hope it gets easier. Thanks for listening.